Pritchard. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome once again to Rise of the GM, where today we're going to be talking about an enthralling bard. We're going to look at a tackless troubadour also, and we are going to talk about guilds, factions, and cults in this world-building series that we're in, here on Rise of the GM. Alright, well guys, we are so glad you could join us again. Today we are going to be hitting some fun parts of the world-building Oh, yeah. Um, but we are in the midst of, uh, we're, by the way, we're sorry that this is coming on like a, maybe an hour and a half later than we usually do or so, hour two hours later. Uh, but we are in a season where there are auditions going on. Adam's wife uh, works greatly with a the theater there in town, and uh, she is in the midst of auditions and such. And so Adam gets to care for the chitlins. And so... Chitlin duty brings yep. us back a little bit. <laughs> and so uh, we're on here just a, a little bit later than normal, but we're glad that you all uh, could see this whenever you see this, whether you're joining us live or whether you're watching it on a replay uh, there on YouTube or on Spotify or Apple Podcast or whatever the, the case may be. We're glad you're with us today. We yeah. are going to uh, get started with an enthralling bard, which is our encounter starter. Again, we have an encounter uh, a book of encounter starters, and um, we like to kind of throw one of those out and talk about it just a little bit to give you a clue as how a GM might think about uh, these books where they give you a bunch of little things to start, and then you go from there. So we're going to start that today. Adam's going to be reading that, so you might hear Train in the background. He's kind of keeping himself muted while that train goes through, but we're going to throw him on, Train and all, to talk about an enthralling bard. Yeah. Hey, um, yeah, thanks everybody for listening and uh, checking this out. This is uh, Music for the Masses from the Eureka book, and uh, it goes like this. A new performer has been captivating audiences in the area, and tales of his intoxicating music have spread like wildfire. Each show throws more kindling on the flames as fan fervor over this bard rapidly escalates. After each successive performance... There's an outbreak of sudden arguments, violence, and public intimate encounters among those who attend. It seems that a bard, the bard's music inspires people to uncontrollable heights of passion. The PCs may be drawn in um, by noticing the ever-increasing hysteria, or when one or more of the PCs is in the audience for a show and becomes a devoted fan. A rival bard, well-versed in magical ways, covertly approaches the PCs. He tells them that the situation reeks of magic and gives the PCs a charm that will prevent them from being affected. He doesn't know exactly how it's being done, but he begs the PCs to stop the influence of the bard's magic before it gets out of control. While this conversation is taking place, rabid fans make an attempt to kill the rival bard, claiming this jealousy is driving him to undermine their hero. Fans display kindness toward anyone expressing appreciation of the bard's music and disproportionate anger toward anyone who seems ambivalent or disinterested. This results in many interesting fights or amorous advances for the PCs to become involved in. Fans might attack the PCs, causing a fight against innocents that must be handled carefully, um, and people may attempt to steal money from the party in order to throw it to the bard. Interactions with fans should make the PCs realize that tonight's performance will have a major consequence. If the PCs attend a performance, the bard himself looks worried. 
He understands the fans' reactions to his music are unnatural, but he can't seem to stop playing. He plays calming songs, but the fans scream for jousing rig, rousing jigs. Perceptive <laughs> jousing jigs. <laughs> <laughs> for rousing jigs. Uh, perceptive PCs or those with magical abilities might notice the bard's instrument seems to be compelling him to play against his will. If the bard or his instrument is attacked, rabid fans will attack the PCs. If the instrument is destroyed, the effect will dissipate immediately and the people will return to normal. Music for the masses. Music for the masses. This is yeah. a good one. I like this one. Uh, I like the fact that uh, you don't know that it's the instrument, right? right? Uh, so uh, we, the very last line of that said, if the instrument's destroyed, whatever, you know, everyone gets angry or the, the, the effect goes away, but, but your players don't know that. And so right. I think uh, keeping that, you know, don't, don't too heavy, heavy handedly say, Oh, it seems as though he's being forced to play. You know, I would allow yeah. that to kind of be a little bit more subtle and uh, then they would have to wonder, okay, is he just a, a bard who is like in, in trancing people and charming right. people or, you know, and maybe you can like, uh, hint at it lightly so that maybe there's a question but i yeah. like everything from the rival bard um that comes up that then uh, may end up being like someone who interacts with your party again because right. you guys work together in this mm -hmm. uh, i even like that he gives you this thing that might keep the charm from working on you and then that might be useful later on in in other parts of the campaign because hey a charm's a charm right and um I like uh, the idea that there's all these people that are innocent, these these innocents that you have to be careful just because they attack you doesn't mean you fight and kill them. Yeah. Because really, yeah. they're just under a charm. There are people in the town uh, who can't control themselves. And the same with the bard who's on stage playing. He doesn't seem to be able to control himself. Right. It all comes down to this sentient instrument. And so I love the idea of... You know, if you don't let your people know that this is so bad, maybe even one of them's a bard and they really start to cut at that instrument. And then there's <laughs> this whole encounter part that goes where he is now being enchanted to have to play. And your party's right. like, what the heck are you doing? And and then they begin to figure that out. And yeah, maybe yeah. even if they destroy it, uh, he's like, I've lost the most amazing thing I've ever seen. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's that going to do? Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool encounter. And I do think you need to, to decide uh, two or three uh, possible encounter uh, battles per mm -hmm. se, N not necessarily battles, but encounters where they have the opportunity to battle or the opportunity right. to go another way. Uh, so you would have to people who uh, are upset at you because you're against the bard and like, right. what's that going to look like? What's it going to evolve into? I'd plan something along that route in case it went that way. Also, uh, if you, if they get the idea that when you praise the bard or whatever, that these people are super awesome and kind to you, what could that look like and plan, right. plan some of that out and, uh, then, and then kind of plan, you know, what you're going to do with this rival bard when they all try to kill him, obviously there's a protection kind of assumption there. Yeah but not necessarily so. And, and then uh, afterwards, what's going to be the uh, personality of the rival bard? What's going to be the personality of yeah, the bard right. who was in trance? What's going to be the personality of the crowd once all this happens? What's going to happen with the instrument? Could you find a way to harness it? There's lots of stuff you can think about there sure. as you're building an encounter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I like this one a lot too. And um Part of me was like thinking about this uh, 
of uh, like all the ways this could like go off the rails <laughs> than than what the like kind of intended thing is. And I, I liked that you talked about like yeah, there's what if you had a bard in your in your company and they're like, oh, I want that, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I want that. Uh, Rob says, just make sure you don't break into the bard's tent. Yeah. Uh, watch out for that. <laughs> <laughs> Always watch out for that. Um, <laughs> I, I really, I do like the, what, what you were saying there, Matthew, of having like um, multiple kind of possible encounters and, and just the way that people interact. I think there's a lot of, uh, it's an interesting situation to put them in to give both, you know, the, the muscle people, some things to do or the magic people, or like maybe combat oriented people. There's, there's stuff in there that's probably going to happen, but there's also like, I think a lot of chance for uh, persuasion and deception kind of people, you know, whether you're, you're like trying to calm some people down or just get information or, or even like, Oh yeah, yeah. We love him. We love this bard so much, you know, like we're, we're trying to like get the favor of the crowd to maybe have some things. Like, I, I think there's, um, that's a cool thing. Anytime you can have like multiple avenues and it's like whatever kind of player you have, uh, I, I think that's a really cool thing. So I like that a lot. I like the, uh, even from a GM standpoint of being, having like a, the emotional roller coaster of the way these people are, you know, of being like one way or the other and being able to, to play that. I think that would be really important in that of like really, really, really just passionate because this is like happening. There was a, I cannot remember the show. I was thinking about this today. There was a, a superhero related show. I don't think it lasted very long, but I, I have this, thing in my brain it wasn't like heroes and it wasn't any of the like big ones but um man i wish i could remember what it was there was a there was a guy it was actually a villain who could uh do something to people's it was basically like spiked everybody's emotions in a lot of way it was like the mistborn sanderson like rioter or like uh whatever the alternate of that is the the reverse but whether you're like making people's emotions either dampened or massively spiked kind of thing and that was a really, um, actually for that show, I remember watching that and, and it being kind of almost like a traumatic thing. Cause it was like, what he did was inspired everybody's anger against each other. And they just like, were essentially killing each other kind of thing. And I remember watching that and being like, that was like a, a really just kind of thing that stuck with me. And I was thinking about that with this group of how something like that could go really, really crazy for the party if they're not taking care of this in a good way. But I really like the environmental challenge part of it too. Um, I think there's some things you could do with this. And, and I wondered if you had any, any thoughts in this realm of, I immediately was going to like the way the Sentinels comics RPG kind of runs when you have twists that cause challenges. It's like, okay, now that building's on fire because we did this thing. And now I got to save the people in the building as well as fight the big robot. I think there's some things that you could do maybe with this. And I, I don't know if any of that kind of spurred anything on for you, but. Well, my initial thought, once you started talking, it was my chaotic neutral character brain started coming out and I'm like, Oh man, if I, if I realized what was going on, I would start using this to my advantage. I'd be like talking to the crowd and I'd be like, 
that guy down the street who sells things, who wouldn't sell me what I wanted, he hates this musician. <laughs> everybody, everybody runs down there and starts tearing down his store, and then I go get what I want. That's probably not the most heroic thing, thing to true, do. True, true, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I think uh, very much it could be uh, you try to solve it in one way or another, and uh, the crowd's reaction then leads you to have a twist of something else you have to solve yeah, yeah. in its place. But uh, I do think uh, you could take away the chaotic neutral of that, but like, think about like you have all these people and you need to accomplish something against, you know, say the government or somebody who's like opposing you, mm. you could, you could edge them on pretty easily mm. <laughs> with manipulation. Mm. Now the problem is yeah. you're throwing innocence out in front of people you don't like <laughs> and yeah. who knows who knows what might happen to them. So that might not be the best the best yeah. either so mm-hmm. i was yeah. i was thinking it i feel like you'd have to keep the bard out of sight from the party for some time during this encounter kind of or it's not really even encounter just like the situation that they're in because that was one of the off the rails thing where i'm like well if you kind of have an idea, you know, I, I could see a party just, well, we're going to go straight to the source. Why wait for the concert tonight? We're just going to go to his, you know, I was thinking like uh, his trailer, but it's probably not going to be a trailer for that. You know, it's like thinking a rock, uh, you know, a rock uh, concert. It's like his tent, wherever he's staying, he's you know, little, we're just going to uh, wagon over there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Actually. Wagon. Yeah. That would be good. Um, you know, and it's like immediately, let's, we're just going to go to the source and deal with this. And it's like, oh, he's not there, you know, because I think that, again, that's, that's a way, I guess it's part of solving a problem. And now that I'm saying that, I wouldn't want to take that away from people. But if you wanted to have like a longer experience here, I definitely could see that happening. Um, could definitely but see someone definitely, trying to steal the item. You can definitely wait to bring the rival in with the uh, charm that keeps you safe. Right. And so, yeah. like, if you go yeah. to check him out early, maybe he plays and enthralls you uh, mm-hmm. or a couple people of your party. You know, just like right. I said, if you would have been at a concert already. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. I did think that line was a little funny in the in the prompt of like your party going to a concert and becoming fans. I don't know if that's the kind of game I typically am running, <laughs> but I, I did like, I guess you can kind of come up on it and it's like, oh man, they're awesome. You know? So, uh, yeah, that was just kind of funny to me to, or you to could just that, happen so. to be in the tavern as he starts playing and yeah, that's you true. get swept up in it. Yeah. yeah. And that, I guess that's a player choice too, of like, man, I'm, you know, all about that. So yeah, it was, it was fun. I, I, I like the, um, and you brought that up too, of, it's like innocent. They're, they're actually, they're innocent people who may be like literally trying to tear you apart because you don't like the person's music or something and how you, or, or just the fact you're trying to like break the instrument, they're going to come swarming up on stage and try to stop that. It's like, okay, probably shouldn't throw a fireball right now, you know, because these are just a bunch of innocent townsfolk who are being rioted by this thing. How do you actually, fight them all you know like how do you get creative and and do things that are not lethal you know to this i think that is a cool challenge to put in front of people too and it's a sentient instrument so think about what the instrument's going to what personality it's going to have yeah in case somebody gets their hands on it and what is the instrument i mean i automatically thought of like a lute a guitar type thing Mm -hmm. could be uh 
anything, you know, it could be one of those little mouth harps where they're like, you know, yeah, <laughs> that would, that'd be odd to see everybody getting super excited about that concert. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to our, our main topic for the day. Uh, that's a good encounter. One maybe that uh, you can throw into whatever you're doing because you're always ending up in towns uh, and in um, these taverns <laughs> where, yeah, <laughs> snaky juice harp. <laughs> yeah. But uh, snarky. I read it snaky. Uh, but yeah, it uh, you always end up in these tavern situations and there's bards around. And this is one that can just kind of be a thing that you can throw in with whatever else you're doing. So keep that in mind next time your, t- your PC group is in a town. But we're going to go on right now and talk about... Uh, the main topic we're in our is this our third session of the world builder series somewhere in that i think uh, it's our third probably know that <laughs> and this one is about guilds factions and cults and yeah. so adam what are we talking about with guilds factions and cults and how does that affect or influence world building yeah um so this one uh is one that came a little bit from some just like uh asking around but way before actually uh you know we had i don't know eight, more than a year ago even we had thrown the idea about we were we were talking about this like podcast even being a thing and i just kind of started asking gamers i knew like hey what kind of stuff would you want to hear about and this this is actually one that came from that questioning um and has kind of fallen in here into the world building kind but um I think it's interesting and I, I was going back and realizing like in my current game how this has actually played a bigger role than even I like was intentional about um, and how that that's played quite a, a bit of that where I think I was just trying to um, like populate the world in a lot of ways and I think that's like one of the really cool pieces you know we're always trying to develop our world more um, as the party comes into a place, it's like, what is actually going on here? Like what's, what's kind of the current events happening what's the, pe- what are the people like and, and what's the makeup of things? So like in, in my game, um, you know, we started out with the, the thieves guild and it's, uh, the jade masks is the thieves guild there. Um, they have these jade colored, you know, masks. It's real real on the head (laughs) (laughs) super hard to understand (laughs) i don't know it just came to me but um yeah they they that's you know like a mark of them and um but it's it's the group that's kind of the the highest functioning um like thief uh guild in in this kingdom and they they have you know aspects of them throughout different towns and such it's like uh, not just bound to the one city that, you know, you started in kind of thing. And, um, I liked that a lot. That was, that was a setting in a lot of ways. Um, I honestly think I knew, well, we know the story. Everybody's heard the story of, you know, how it wasn't meant to be a campaign to start with, but the, the Jade masks were a thing before the city was a thing called Tifa's edge. You know, I, I knew that the masks were doing stuff before I even knew where they were doing stuff. So I kind of did things a little backwards there. Um, So that was kind of a setting and it was a way of um, beginning the game by being able to give you, Hey, here's a mission that you're doing. You're going to do because 
you're part of this and that's what you do, you know, kind of deal. Um, and then that was able to like open up and have more freedom. Um, but, uh, you know, as things went on, both like developing that there, um, there is a, the shining guard or kind of the, um, more of the Royal def like defenders and guardians of the cities. Um, so they're, they're kind of working for the magistrates and things like that. Um, that was kind of a group, um, we went on and, um, I don't, I'm not going to name them all off right now. We can come back to that later, but, uh, those things are all like ways. I just felt like I was trying to develop the place and get a, get a feel for the place more. So as the group went to different cities, you know, like there's a place called, uh, Bullens and it's run by a builder's guild. And there wasn't a ton of, uh, engagement with the builders guild but that was supposed to set the tone for even like what the city was and there were some tiny little quests kind of side things that went on with that too and just trying to do that through the different um cities that we'd head on or even smaller places trying to give a a feel that's different um was a big part of that for me um as well as like having i think i'm always thinking about like the the ways to create more action um, for people and, um, whether it's like a threat or hostilities or a need or those kind of things kind of can come from those in a lot of ways. So, um, that's, that's kind of like a basic thing, but I, I just wanted to talk through these a little bit today and like how we've done them, how we've seen they've been important, the kind of our thoughts on them. So, um, how, how have you seen that Matthew? Well, I will, I will speak directly to the Jade masks for a moment. Um, I think that idea of having, these guilds that are not dependent in one city only, but they kind of go throughout the world is a very interesting thing and can uh, give a greater sense of continuity. Uh, what I liked was we went from Tifa's Edge where we were, you know, not fledgling. We were lower level uh, people in the Thieves Guild, in the Jade Mask. And we went up to Bullens. And while we were there, we actually were contacted by, although we were traveling with, you know, kind of the head people of the guild, we were contacted by some people who were also part of the Thieves Guild there in Bullens. And I remember that was kind of cool. Apart from that, and I may be wrong, but I feel like, especially once we got to a place where we decided we're not really doing Jade Mask stuff anymore, yeah. mm -hmm. like we, we haven't really encountered anybody who was Jade Mask, which... Uh, I think what might be interesting, not to like force your hand as a GM, but like, uh, is if you're, you know, we went down to Rothman or, or wherever and mm -hmm. someone like comes up and like kind of cryptically says some words to us and kind of skulkingly looks around and we're like, yeah. who the heck are you? And it's like somebody from the Jade Mask who's right. like, you, you guys are Jade Mask, right? You know, <laughs> trying to get us in what we're doing. We're like, we don't do that anymore. It's like, oh, you don't leave the Jade Mask, you know. And right. yeah. maybe, there's, maybe there's like, you know, parts of the world where we go where people are uh, ambivalent. They're not ambivalent, malevolent <laughs> toward us. They're, right. they're not right. happy with the fact that we left the Jade mm -hmm. Masks and that we, you know, we knew some of the secrets and we just stepped out. And they're like, no, you, you can't do that. So yeah. uh, I think that idea of wherever you go, kind of the Jade Mask, uh, popping up. And so uh, the other thing that I will say about that is, so when I when I hear the word guild, I can't hear guild without thinking of guild wars. Mm -hmm. And guild wars, 
we played. It was a video game a long time ago, a lot like uh, World of Warcraft, but it was free. Um, I mean, you bought the game, but the servers were free. And so you could just go on and play. And I don't even remember the guilds in that. I remember I was a mesmer or something. I remember the roles, but like this idea that maybe guilds. So this idea of guild wars is what I'm kind of playing off of the idea that certain guilds maybe just don't ever get along and what are they? And maybe that's dependent city to city, you know, with whoever's the, the main guy in that city. And, and some guilds are probably more hierarchically structured, meaning throughout the world, they right. have more of the sameness from city to city because they have a structure that is greater than that city. And some, you know, like the Thieves Guild in this city may be different than the Thieves Guild in that city and the Thieves right. Guild in that city. And they may have very different um, methods of operation even. You know, one may be uh, very much the stealthy ninja stuff. One may be the Chicago gangsters who want to take a Tommy gun and kill everybody they see, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Uh, right, yeah. And so having those differences uh, with, with guilds as well. So, uh, again, I didn't add a whole lot here. In my games, I was trying to think if I've... You know, so there are kind of the standard. I think someone mentioned this, uh, maybe someone I was talking to. I don't even remember. Uh, you have the standard guild. So you got your thieves guild. You got your your city guard. You got your, um, you know, <laughs> like failing to come up with any other guilds. Right <laughs> I, I know there are, uh, but you have the ones that you see. Uh, you know, the the maybe the bards guild or the mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then I, I think you can use those and you can give them their own personality from city to city. Mm -hmm. But you can also come up with basically anything. And I think one of the things that I guess we must have talked about this on one of these podcasts because uh, we we got a, one of our questions in the haversack said something perhaps the perfumers guild <laughs> yeah the perfumers guild so yep. you know weird things like that can sometimes be the more memorable types mm -hmm. of guilds so you have in your city you decide you're going to have a perfumers guild and then you've somehow got to populate that and uh one of my cities i had the the millers you know they they mm. they made bread <laughs> and so you got yeah. the millers guild uh but like i think no matter who you have uh, what guilds you have, whatever ones you're going to prominently display or kind of uh, make note of in your game, you need to have one or two personalities associated with those. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you do, that kind of sets the tone in people's mind, at least in that city, what that's what that's like. You know, so like in, I think in one of mine, uh, one uh, one of my games, one of the players. Uh, ended up being the son of the guy who was the head of the thieves guild. And, uh, so the, the idea that Todd's boy was in town cause he's going to end up being Todd. Uh, but like the way they all talked and the way they tried to loop him in and get him into the, you know, goings on of the city and, uh, the way they talked very much left an impression on my players. Um, for yeah. what that thieves guild was like, at least in that city. So I think you need to have one or two personalities kind of planned out right. uh, to think. So this is where those NPCs we do every every time we're in here, uh, you, you can go and find an NPC. And again, you don't have to go with their whole story of like, you know, they're doing this bad thing and you, it might need to be stopped or they're doing this. You can look at like personalities and just look mm -hmm. through the personality section, the background role-playing personality sections yeah. and say, okay, here's somebody that that'd be a fun one to play as, you know, the guy in the perfumer skill. He's like, so not what you would expect from someone who makes perfume because he's like super thick and heavy handed and, mm. uh, uh, 
like doesn't look like he cares a bit about high society or anything yeah. fancy. <laughs> he's yeah, the perfumer's uh-huh. guy. Maybe he stinks all the time. And you walk when he walks into a room, everybody's like, oh, <laughs> that's strong, man. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just kind of rambling there yeah, about good. guilds and thoughts that might go into those guilds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think that's cool. Um, that it's like that actually is a memorable, and it's not just. Uh, really homogenous, you know, kind of thing as far as you walk in. Yes. Thieves guild. Everybody's wearing dark, tight clothing and speaks gruffly to you. You know, it's like there, that there are some things that are actually like, Oh, I remember these, these people because they have something unique about them. You know, I, I yeah. And in my mind, really those were the Chicago thieves, you know, they were like, mm-hmm. Hey, you're Todd's boy. You know what I yeah, talk yeah. about? Like, hey, they got the very expressiveness about them. And uh, sometimes that sort of, that's going to give them their, personality it's different than like you said like the the silent skulking tight black ninja looking things yeah (laughs) very different i like um whether it's uh you know guilds or just like factions kind of that feels kind of a nebulous term but then like or or even the cults kind of thing I, i like the idea of using those um to just kind of explore like the power structure of the place that you're in um, and kind of show that a little bit better to the group. So um, whether that's like, you know, somebody who um, maybe is working within the, within the kind of say governmental structure, this is like part of that, you know, maybe it's a a city run guild or um, it's a faction of people that maybe, are about something specific connected to the government of the the area you're in, or it's like more of that underground that, you know, the thieves guild, they're not really working with the city. They're working in the underbelly of the city or even at like odds with them kind of deal. So I think, I think that's kind of interesting too, to see um, just like power struggle within those places to just again, develop a little more complications and, a lot of that stuff for me, it's like when you have more um, divisions of people, you don't want to get too crazy. I, I, I think I think you can get like overwhelmed if you make legitimately as many divisions of people in this way as actually are real. <laughs> that may that may be like hard to like keep a track of, but if you have some of those key points of you know this is a cult that is like working opposed to the magistrate of the city and immediately now we have adventures that could happen on either side of that. Um, I really liked, it wasn't a cult thing, but um, earlier in the game when, when the party was all in the main city that we started in, there had been given missions from both the thieves guild and from the high magistrate who was the law you know, of the city. And I, I really enjoyed watching that and seeing like, okay, how are they trying to bobble both of these at the same time? Which one's going to fall through the cracks? When are these going to become opposed to each other? Okay. There's this point where you can choose this or, you know, there's all these problems happening in the city that the magistrate wanted the group to take care of. Meanwhile, the head of the thieves guild, the Jade masks wanted you to go out of town North with him to deal with this thing. Well, when they chose to go that way after dealing with a few things, but then 
that's going to affect things within the city. So I like even just the power struggle and power structure of things when you add some of these groups in um, because they're not all working together in harmony typically, you know, and that can, that can create some interesting, interesting things there. I even like the idea of uh, defining what's, what's the difference between guilds and factions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so think about that in your mind, what's the difference between a guild and a faction in your game? Right. Uh, in my game, uh, or in my mind, I guess I would say guilds. So you think about real life, screen actors, guild, uh, the writers guild. This is a place where people who have a profession kind of band together in order to make sure that they all prosper. Right. right so, right. uh, the writers guild gets together and they all like have a union and they'll strike if they don't feel like they're being paid enough and then they'll get paid more because all of the writers are together, you know? And so, right. Uh, that feels like a, that's a very different thing than a faction. A faction feels like people within the same group who are splintered in purpose, right? Mm. So like in, at work, you may have a faction that's like, we need to do everything more technically and electronically. And you may have another faction that's like, uh, we do too much online. We need to like kind of pull right. back and be more hands-on and like interaction with people. And we, you know, so you have these factions, these different ways of seeing things. So I yeah. love mm-hmm. like kind of making sure that as a GM, you, you realize what is it I'm thinking of when I think of a guild versus when I think of a faction. So mm-hmm. you're, you're running a game right now where we just went to uh, what could be, you know, Rothman was a place where there is the, the college, the magical, what's it called? The golden lyceum, the golden lyceum. Yeah. The, the arcana college sort of thing. And that could be like the guild, right? You know, all people right. who practice magic kind of have a part in this because they want to see magic use <laughs> treated correctly, uh, whatever that is and whatever. But within that golden lyceum, there were factions, right? So right. there was, right. Uh, you actually let us help build some of those factions. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anybody else's because you gave me one to build and I got so excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got way more excited than you even did about it. I, uh, <laughs> I ended up making uh, this group called the IPS, right? The in plain sight They're the illusionist and all you gave me was, okay, this is the people with the school of illusion. What's it going to be about? Like, who's the leader? What, what's it about? And uh, you let us kind of help write that. Well, I ended up making this, you know, the in-game version of the CIA, right? Mm. What's the CIA do for America? Well, you got the government, but the CIA is not, you know, they they say they have uh, the head of the CIA, but really that's just a figurehead. And whoever is really pulling the strings on the CIA, they're doing a few things. They're gathering info right they're the information gatherers that you never know are there they're the people who do the silent assassinations you don't ever see them coming you don't ever see them going uh, was they were there and then they're the people who set up the puppet regime so that's what i made this ips yeah, the, yeah. the people who were in plain sight but you never knew and so they have the acolytes who had like the the thing they had a little eye tattoo right. on their hand that's the acolytes but anybody who got above acolyte that that was taken away mm. that was gone and you know you had the person who was in power but the person who was really pulling the strings nobody knows who it is right and i love that idea and i love the idea of like my character getting excited about being part of this information gathering and silent assassination mm-hmm. thing just because of who he is and of course we didn't really go very far with it yet yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet, yeah, yeah. yet. my guy's yeah. about to become a major assassin information together. Uh, but anyway, uh, again, that's like there were these factions. And so you gave us all, here's all these different factions within the Golden Lyceum, within the magic users. And uh, yeah. 
again, I can't even remember what the other ones are, but everybody else probably remembers the one you gave right. them to work on. So yeah. again, kind of going back to how do you as a GM mm -hmm. set up stuff that people are excited about? I always go back to look at their backstory. So mm -hmm. what is it that like, you know, we often have a character who's like, mm -hmm. you know, I was apprenticing as a blacksmith. Well, it's like, okay, well, there, there can be a blacksmith type guild and maybe you're part of that or... You know, I was a thief on the street. Okay, yeah. you could be part of the thieves guild. So those things can happen um, from their backstory. Maybe they, maybe you can get more creative than the standards. But then also, as you're going through the game, maybe pull some stuff like you did, where you're like, "Hey, you guys end up going to this place, and then you find out there are six, you know, major. I, well, I forget there were eight families, eight, yeah. eight. eight families, and they were all kind of heads of different areas of magic, mm -hmm. and you let us help." as players to build and define what those were yeah. and then you took the things that we threw out to you and you made them even greater and right. wove them together differently but that idea of letting your players kind of cooperatively build some of those mm -hmm. factions or guilds that are not the standard ones so maybe it's like oh you what do you what do you know to be true about the perfumers guild and you give that to one of your mm -hmm. players and you say you know you let me know this week but via email and they tell you oh this is the main dude in the perfumers guild and here's his goals and whatever yeah. then they get very invested in that and it becomes a bigger part of the story thing that was maybe just a throwaway you know oh we go by and there's a perfumers guild whatever becomes man we're doing everything for the perfumers guild and we found out that this is important mm -hmm. and that's important and now yeah. i become like one of the major perfumers because of right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I have you know, the magic of scent, or I don't know if that's a thing, but uh, yeah, so you 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 get people in there uh, like that. So I'm sorry, I kind of went off on the difference between guilds and factions. No, that's good. Yeah. Also, how you as a GM can begin to use backstories to incorporate those mm -hmm. and uh, give assignments to let them help create guilds and factions as you go through your game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. I'm glad you brought that up because that in my my game currently right now that probably is the best division of those two things of like this the the college the golden lyceum being that guild where there's um i'm trying to think of the like what the word is for that exactly but you're you're surrounded around the same kind of work or movement forward in a lot of ways but the the factions of they were called circles but like you said it was families it was these great houses that basically had control over different schools of magic kind of thing. And so, um, and they could be deposed, like another family could come in and somehow wrest control of that. And, uh, that was, that was an interesting piece too. But, um, I, uh, I th maybe ideology in some ways for like the idea of a faction is like, you're more surrounded around the ideology than you are around the like work, mm -hmm. um, work's not right. the right word, but I can't, I can't think of it. Profession. Profession. Yeah, profession. Um, uh, Evan wrote like knightly orders, juridic cleric or cleric orders, and wizard schools can also make nice factions as yes. patrons or nemeses for the party. And uh, yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, I, I'm i very, um, there's like two ways I think I'm like really influenced when it comes to this stuff. And one is, you know, in our backstories, we both talked about this of, uh, like that initial love game we played in um, when I first started the kind of smaller game that was original to me, the city we started in was basically divided up into like four cults. There were four cults that basically were running the city. Um, and 
they, as time went on, it was like there, we saw that it wasn't, it looked like harmony on the outside, but there was actually disunity and hostilities like going on under the surface kind of thing. Um, where I like, if I'm remembering it all correctly, like at one point, one of the cults basically absorbed the other cult and it became one faction of people. And then, uh, one basically got like destroyed, <laughs> like annihilated kind of thing. And then there, you know, it was leaving that. And then one was a pretty, uh, a pretty strong contender for like hostile situations throughout the game, um, for that, um, even going out of there. And I, that, that's like a big, I think I think about that a lot when it term, comes to cults. Um, I have a lot of influence in those things of, of, uh, whether it's, more like canon religion type things within the games we're playing or just like these smaller groups, how they can kind of be moving underneath society and uh, affecting people and affecting the, the situation. So that that's like a big influence for me in that. Um, and then the other is like, I played a lot of Morrowind for a long time, uh, Elder Scrolls three. <laughs> and you know that that one a lot of it is based in i guess it is houses you know it's house like Rhetoron and house other things that i can't remember right now you know and um you kind of have to make some decisions i think you actually can play all sides there's also a thieves guild and there's another type of thieves guild that you play with and so, at certain points you have to kind of make a decision on you know, like, where am I going to go and what, where am I going to like advance? But that's the thing for me. And and you said something earlier that triggered that for me, Matthew, is I think like, it's cool when you have these situations, there's a type of player that I think is going to want to jump in and advance or get titles or be promoted, you know, and I definitely can fall into that. Like there, there's something like in that game, you wanted to like continue to do these jobs so you could get, you know, you're not a footpad anymore. Now you're a, you know, whatever. And um, I think that definitely has a little bit of a, a influence on me when I'm thinking about this in games too, of like, it's cool flavor. And I think for some players, that's like what's what they want is, is like a developed world with flavor. Um, it's obviously an opportunity for like, quest giving and missions and things but but also even for people to like advance in something and be like oh i'm the you know the grand master of the house of the divination you know kind of thing now and by the end of the game you kind of have those those titles as well as just like i'm not just level 20 i'm the grand master you know kind of thing so i think that can I be really think, fun i think in addition to that i, th I think very much you can use uh, guilds and factions and stuff to uh, reward players, right? To reward PCs or or to to allow them to kind of feel a uniqueness. And so that can be with titles. It can also be with abilities. Uh, you know, say say my guy does try to join the IPS, the in plain sight. You know, the assassinations and covert everything. And uh, somewhere along the way, uh, he gets the ability to like chameleon you know with his background basically invisible uh something that his character may or may not have been able to do uh that can be like a big reward for them especially if it's about playing that out sometimes or an item um you know they get an item from the the faction or guild 
uh, to help them with whatever they're doing. Those kinds of little rewards uh, really mean something to players. Yeah, yeah uh, and you sure. don't want to do it just all the time. Don't make them don't make them worthless. So that when you do hand them out, they're like, oh, I got this, and then they build a lot of their identity identity around that. And yeah. you know, kind of going back, I I looked at the difference between guilds and factions. Uh, I felt like guild is like a, kind of a gathered profession. Factions are, like you said, the ideology that's that's split, whether that's within a guild or within a town or whatever. There's these different factions. Cults are those things, and I think they always have this highly religious overtone. But I think they deal with the gods uh, and the supernatural, like demons and you know anything religious or uh, in in that sense. And so when I see cults, that is not around like necessarily a, a faction of people, although they could be a faction. It's not a guild. This is like a fanatic group of people that are all about this one thing that's greater and me doing for that greater thing, you know? So, uh, I've, I love myself a good cult, uh, in any city you go into. Uh, yep. and typically I think we think of cults as like, Okay, this is the bad. There, there's a cult down there, and they're trying to take over, and they're sacrificing babies and doing crazy stuff. And you got to go in and clean them out. And I've had several of those, and that's good. But there can also be cults uh, for groups that you might want to be part of. So, like, uh, I forget whose game it was, or or who who was the uh, boy. I've, I've lost all my words. Uh, the crow goddess. <laughs> Oh, Raven Queen? Raven, Raven Queen. Queen. Yeah. The Crow, yeah. crow Goddess. It's, it's kind of what the, the tractors call her. Hey, Crow Goddess. Uh, the Raven Queen uh, came to me in one of our games, and uh, like I had a vision or whatever, and then there were other people that had to do with the Raven Queen. And I remember feeling such a sense of identity and mm-hmm. player-drivenness just because of this visitation I had from the Raven Queen. And I know that we have that same sort of thing right now, um, Pip, with Saluni. Saluni. Boy, I just don't remember names. These gods. But anyway, these things, these cults of people don't have to be like evil, you know, baby sacrificing things. Yeah, right, right. There can be cults that are very fanatic about uh, someone that your that your player can have a sense of caring about too. So, yeah. uh, you know, the idea is of being able to understand the differences between a guild, a faction, and a cult, and then like yeah. how to use those in your game. To I think ultimately it comes down to a couple things. It comes down to how do you make your world real. That's mm-hmm. why it's in the world builders session right, here, right? right. Yeah. It also goes with how do you motivate your characters? And so there's lots of things you can motivate your characters with, mm-hmm. but boy, you can do a lot through guilds, factions, and cults as far as like their progression, their right. growth, their uniqueness, them feeling special in the world because they're special in this faction or in this yeah. guild or in this cult. Uh, and uh, there was another part of that and I just lost it. <laughs> but yeah. uh, th- but these these pu- these things are important in in more areas than just one. It's not just like okay, uh, I've always heard there's a thieves guild, so there's a thieves guild. You can do that, but it's not going to yeah. really further your game very well. Right. The things that you use to grow your characters, that's what's gonna that's what's really going to make a difference in your game. I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I was thinking about um, if. So you're out there, you know, and, or we're, we're like populating a campaign right now and thinking about, uh, like, where do you even start? 
um, with that kind of thing. Uh, I, I love, yeah, the, thinking about backstory, thinking about the things that are going to hook someone. Um, and even asking like, you know, like kind of like what, what makes sense in this moment? Um, I, I'll go back to the Builders Guild. Uh, you know, that wasn't like an initial thing. And I love this talk about Bullens. It's just a town, nothing too special. There was a lot of game played in it. And I loved the whole arc around that because more and more and more, it just got developed as people engaged with it. And it was like, oh, is there something like this there? You know, and that that was a lot of fun to to bring that in there. Um, but there was a town prior to that as they were traveling northward that had been, uh, I guess you, you all kind of came into an attack. Like there was there was an attack. I think it was Knowles. It was low level. Knowles were coming in. They were attacking. You all came in, fought them off. But a lot of the town had been pretty devastated, the small village. Um, several buildings burned and as there was kind of a pause in the game for me, I think, I think it was like between sessions, I was thinking, um, well, what would this kind of elder person need who has been talking to them? They need, they need resources to like rebuild, you know, winter's coming. It's like, they're going to do that. And so that was immediately like, well, what's something that could connect to that? Well, upriver in Bullen's now there's a builder's guild who, you know, are kind of controlling the kind of power structure of the town in a lot of ways. Um, and this elder can say, Hey, I think it was Ozoff. Here's a hundred buck or a hundred bucks, a hundred gold pieces. Um, can you go to the builder's guild, drop my name, tell them we need stuff sent down river, uh, that's on this list, you know, kind of thing. And that was just another way of like, okay, there's some reality kind of realism to this, but also um, tying that in and, and you all jumped directly into Bullens, but that was even like an in of, okay, if they show up and they're like, we have no idea what to do in this place. At least there's this movement into a, like a group that's in the city and that could lead to more things. So that was kind of the thought process there. Um, a lot of it's about building the world out for me, I think. But um, asking kind of like what's needed, what's going to connect to backstories, what makes sense in a city or place that you're going to be. And then, like Matthew said earlier, adding those, uh, like what are the personalities that are going to be a part of this to make this like interesting and gripping for people to, to jump into. Um, wanted to make note, Rob had said, uh, like the man who was Thursday when you were talking about the, uh, in plain sight people. And I looked it up while well, I don't know anything about that, except for, I just looked up some stuff about GK Chesterton. It looks like wrote that. And it sounds very similar to kind of the stuff you're getting into. It sounds really interesting. And I kind of want to read that now. So oh, yeah. <laughs> thanks for the drop there, Rob. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about this idea in the questions section. So what do you think about talking about an NPC? I'll, I'll end one more comment more here okay. and we'll hit the NPC. Uh, and that is this, uh, cults, as you think about your end game and whatever that is, uh, it's important to, to recognize that people who are in various guilds or factions can be in a cult. Um, and so somebody who is the shining guard head captain yeah. and somebody who is one of the Jade mask thieves and somebody who is in the government, this, whatever, could all be part of a cult together secretly. 
Um, and so yeah. that can always make it really interesting when they get yeah. to the end and there's like connections they did not see coming right. from people they did not expect to be in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Definitely agree with that. Um, that actually made me kind of think here uh, in terms of uh, just bouncing ideas again. Um, the idea of like the cult there in this game that we're in right now, um, there's a larger kind of situation happening and it's not, this is like known to the players, but there is a larger kind of entity that has been um, captured, had been captured millennia ago. Um, but there's this problem with uh, the, um, basically it could be released. Um, it's like a thing that there's a possibility that it could be released that, um, uh, you know, different entities have wanted to mess with the chains that are bond, uh, have have it uh, in bonds kind of deal. And um, so that's the thing that's going on. But even before they were known about that, the, the party um, stepped into a cavern for reasons and kind of came across this cult that was uh, um, looking at uh, trying to bring back bring into the world the entity that they were um uh trying to trying to worship basically and so they're trying to bring that in the the group um stopped that from happening and one of the things that that was doing was like i i was kind of throwing that cult into the mix and there's been some other moments where it's been talked about um the party's engaged with it a few times um again kind of developing the world but one of the things that that was doing was it was like mimicking a larger thing and, and trying to do some foreshadowing of that, even with the way they were doing things, they were kind of a smaller group that was trying to bring in a, uh, an entity that didn't need to come into the world. It was going to be a bad deal if that happened. Um, but meanwhile, there's this like world ending entity that people are trying to bring back into the world. And, um, that was, that was just some of that. So you can kind of do some things with that too, even of these kind of groups or the things that they're going after doesn't even have to be connected really even to cults, factions, guilds. Um, it could just be, you know, other ways you can foreshadow, but that was a a thing that I did, um, in, in my game to kind of work the kind of cult angle, to kind of push forward into a new piece of that. So uh, that's, that's one of the things I, you know, I was kind of doing with that too. Um, Do you have any kind of final thought on that, Matthew, of what you were saying? I don't remember everyone. My computer has been (laughs) crazy. I did crash in the middle of that. And again, Adam carried us through. Uh, So I don't know exactly what he was saying. I don't even remember what I was saying at the end, but (laughs) it was all true and take it all to heart. Don't forget any of it. It's probably good you didn't hear all of that because you're in the game that I'm saying, and maybe maybe now there's some secrecy still. So, well, I'm gonna go back and watch it as soon as this is done. Rob Rob said uh, there in the chat. He said makes me think of Hail Hydra, which I don't know if you'll connect with Matthew uh, because of the movies, but it's an Avengers thing, and all these people are part of the Hydra organization, but they're they're uh, throughout you know, government and other, it's like 
all anybody could be part of Hydra kind of thing, and it's it's right. really interesting. So right, yeah. right, yeah. All right, well let's uh, let's go on to our NPC, uh, our NPC yeah. today, one that you could drop into a campaign you're using if you would so need is Benny the Bard, right? And so he's our tactless troubadour. Uh, he, his appearance is finely chiseled features, right? He has a handsome face, a winning smile. He dresses fashionably, and he's well aware of his charms. He knows he's charming. Uh, he's always the first to initiate a conversation, greeting people with a winning smile and initial compliments. But after an exchange or two, he almost always manages to blow it with a brutally honest assumption or observation, <laughs> right? And he delivers the lines in a very matter-of-fact way. So he'd be someone who's like, oh, you are quite beautiful, madam, even with that ugly mole on your forehead. Uh, and so he would say stuff like that, that people would then take askance. His personality is friendly. He's outgoing, but unfortunately, he's also brutally honest. His motivation, his motivation in, in your game or wherever is that he just wants to find inspiration for his songs as well as romance. He's still looking for that. Uh, his background, Benny the Bard is a great musician and has many other talents helpful to his adventuring friends. Unfortunately, Benny's assets are always outweighed by his single liability, and that is he can't help but blurt out brutally honest comments that invariably insult the person to whom he's speaking. This could be very fun, by the way, as a, as a GM to be running him. <laughs> Benny blames this on a curse, right? Every time somebody asks him about it, he says he was cursed. But no one knows uh, Benny... Uh, the, and nobody who knows him can ever remember a time in his life when he wasn't like this. And so uh, there's probably some doubt there. Oddly, yeah. Benny doesn't generally uh, criticize his traveling companions. Occasionally, Benny's, quote, curse indirectly reveals useful information. For instance, or for example, he once insulted an ambassador by commenting on his duplicitous eyes. And then it turned out that the ambassador was involved in a plot to assassinate the local duke. So you have this this guy, and I love this one because this is neither bad guy nor good guy. He's just a yeah, neutral yeah. dude who happens to be around, and it sounds like you know he maybe kind of teams up. So I love how these things. <laughs> again, we didn't necessarily plan these, but this one—I don't know if you planned this one—but this one, along with the the bard, you know, the music for the masses. You got yeah. the rival bard, and you got the bard who is like at the mercy. Either one of them could be this guy. You know, yeah, the rival yeah. bard doesn't seem to be well-loved by people. Maybe he's this guy who he comes and he, he seems winning and he seems like everybody would love him. And then he says stuff that just puts people off because he's a little too brutally honest and nobody mm -hmm. ever remembers a time when he was otherwise. And so he, you know, he's trying to help out at the party and somehow falls in with you guys and yeah. you, you do... You know, every, when you're in towns, he is there to give you information. But he also, uh, it'd be a fun thing as the GM to play this character every yeah. time somebody else was around that your PCs are trying to ingratiate themselves <laughs> to, and he's just insulting them, like oh, without even realizing he's, uh -huh. realizing he's insulting them. So yeah. this could be a fun NPC in your in your game, uh, in that encounter that we looked at earlier, but in any, any game, because like I said, what PC or what group of PCs don't end up at a tavern where there's yeah. a bard playing, yeah. you could throw this guy in anywhere. Yeah. This, this one definitely could be, I, I, I do like it. And I think it would be a lot of fun because it's, it's one of those, like you're able to poke at, uh, even like if, you know, say he was with them and somebody, crit failed and dropped their sword or something ridiculous you know and just like oh you fought pretty well but uh kind of made a fool of yourself when you dropped your sword but anyway they you know it's like you can kind of poke it poke at those things too even um i love the idea of they're trying to like 
persuade somebody and he's over there like wrecking the negotiation, you know, kind of deal to, um, yeah. And to I, do it with that like winning attitude and smile yeah. <laughs> that just is so confident. It's like, right. ah, our, our great and mighty valiant soldier who drops his sword at every <laughs> battle he fights. You know, <laughs> you're just like, brave oh. Sir Robin. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's almost like people just get so upset whenever they whenever he starts talking. <laughs> um, brave Sir Robin ran away. <laughs> That's I, a classic. I really like um, <clears throat> this as a case in point for um like during character creation to have things like vices or i can't think of the right word i wrote blemishes down which is not what it is but they all have know, moles on their forehead yeah you know, i have a you know <laughs> but but to be like a little more a little more maybe detailed with some things or um just like maybe some things that you would consider negative about your character too mm-hmm. um there used to be like a system even trying to remember what that was in which if that was like a three five or four something where I you think i think even in 5e, 5e when you're doing that... out those traits it's uh-huh. like here's here's some personality traits about you okay. uh you you'll what is it uh i'm trying to remember because mine has some of these it's okay like, yeah they they have some that are kind of like a negative thing that's just okay. part of your character yeah 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 uh, that you almost see as a positive right so. yeah and i i think that like that's a good case for doing that with your characters and like as a gm obviously i haven't looked very good if that's the case for your 5e character but <laughs> excuse me um but uh, i'm gonna pull mine up because i've got internet <laughs> here so while we're talking oh. you just keep talking yeah, i'm gonna find no. it <laughs> but i i think that's a cool ca- uh, like a a case for that of um, you can use that in a lot of ways and you can kind of press on those things. But if you have somebody like Benny the Bard who knows that, you know, um, Eliakim's eye droops weird, you know, like in some way and he just keeps pointing that out. It's like, does that like make a major story moment? No, but it like, it's fun. And yeah, here we go. I got it. I got uh-huh. it. So if you go to your uh, D&D Beyond and you go to the description, down at the bottom, you have personality traits. Okay. So I you pick two. I always plan. I always have a plan for what to do when things go wrong. And then the second one is I don't pay attention to any risk in a situation. Never tell me uh, odds. Yeah. Okay. But then there's ideals, there's bonds, and then there's flaws. Which is kind of flaws, what you're talking that's about. The word so I was to, yep, uh, yep. the flaw for this guy is if there's a plan, I'll forget it. If I don't forget it, I'll ignore it. <laughs> and <laughs> that, that pretty right. much sums up my character, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is always great for the 45 minute planning sessions that happen. So, um, yeah, that and again, that's this is that's a 5e, that's a 5e thing, right? But yeah, uh, yeah Rob, Rob's saying several systems let you take a flaw to boost something, and I I do remember us playing at oh, the yeah. table where it was like if you take that flaw, you get a plus two to this skill or maybe something. Then you've got my character who, that, who looks like he shouldn't be let out of the back bedroom because he has like 17 flaws because he's trying to get all these bonuses. <laughs> so like, hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm very strong. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just so, super strong. <laughs> so I don't I, think, I think they let you boost more than once. No, nah, probably not. Um, <laughs> I like that. Um, I also like kind of pulling back to Benny the Bard. Um, I love that idea, the duplicitous eyes thing, and that like you could use him to drop hints. Um, if you know there's something where he he's pointing out and it's just like, oh well, <sighs> Benny's kind of a jerk sometimes, or he's just so blunt. You know, it's not even being a jerk, it's just he's so blunt he doesn't even realize. Um, 
but like actually giving real information through those things, like the duplicitous eyes thing, I, I like that idea a lot to like pass information in a way that's not just, hey, here's the here's the fact, you know, kind of this thing. This guy's a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not, you know, you you kind of get that. Um and I'm I while you were reading it, the thing that came to mind is like, what if Benny talks about the curse, but what if Benny actually was like a diviner? Like he actually, these things he's saying are things that he innately can understand that like other people don't really see, you know, like I, I think you could even broaden that out of like this curse that he has using my air quotes again, um, for you listeners out there. Um, the, you know, the (laughs) curse is like, actually like, what if it was a gift, you know, or, or kind of thing. And you could kind of play with that too. So, um, I like him. It would definitely be fun to have him around for a little while and you definitely as a gm you need to have some fun npcs ones that can say whatever you want them to say mm-hmm. so. yeah evan says benny's so honest he can see through illusions and lies yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean we're getting getting deep here so um i did i want to go back real quick to the encounter because we're still talking about bards okay what if it was a highlander situation with this these bards the rival bard and <laughs> So he's trying to get clear this thing up, but what he's really trying to do is knock out competition because there can be only one true bard. Just saying. I love it. <laughs> can be only one. And you have to behead the bard. Yeah, it's right. the <laughs> It's the only way. <laughs> it's the only right. way. Well, we well, have let's, a, uh, let's look in our haversack. Yeah. I see if we got any questions yeah. for this week before we wrap up today. Uh, we've got one Haversock question today um, from Wataya Hotel. And um, the short of it is how to make factions more interesting. And we've kind of talked into that a little bit, but I think we can develop a little more. He says, uh, dear Matthew and Adam. Oh, this is a Haversack question, Divergent edition. And there's a little PS at the end explaining that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Divergent had factions. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, dear Matthew and Adam, um, I hope your dice are rolling well and that your players are loving their campaigns. I wanted to ask about how you might make factions more interesting. We're all familiar with the stereotypical Thieves Guild. It's kind of what we talked about earlier. Thieves Guild, the Stoic City Guard, order that's the same everywhere you go, the rowdy but basic tavern, the other basic fantasy tropes. Um, But what are your ideas on how to spice these things up? Um, Are there ways to add a lot more depth or intrigue with these things? Or do you have any ideas of exotic or interesting new factions? Let's say some sort of perfumers guild, if you will. Um, I will (laughs) say one 5e group that's been interesting to me is the Salt Marsh's faithful quartermasters of Luz, an immigrant faction from the north that hires people to help them gather fish for their starving people and locates and sells a variety of magic items. For me, this added some depth and made me think more about what other people are doing in town other than just the government and the merchants. Thanks for everything. Sincerely with Taya hotel 98 PS divergent has factions in the film and book. It's getting harder and harder to find fitting movie titles. LOL. You just keep going. You can do it. Yeah, It's great. It's great. (laughs) It's great. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that too. I think that was a, I mean, that's a way if you, if you're out there listening or watching like divergence, uh, a thing you've seen or read, like that's, that's a really, I think a good way to think in that terms too. 
Um, yeah. So, so any kind of like parting shots, I, I do, I have some thoughts kind of based on what he was saying. So I'll, I'll kick it off here. Um, uh, a question to answer the question it, that I have is like, I think that we can ask is when, when does actually familiarity like help the situation and actually help the plot like as i was reading those things um you know it's kind of like oh here's the basic things here's the thing you're used to here's the tropes and i i do think that you can kind of weigh some things i don't know like i'm gonna kind of ask matthew like have you experienced that or maybe a time when it's like i definitely want to do something different but there are i think i think there are times when the familiarity of the thing actually helps advance it more than if I like did something like really completely different. Um, and so I was kind of thinking about that in terms of when he was talking about the thieves guild or that um, thoughts come to mind to kind of with that question. So I think I've already talked about this a little bit uh, for some, I like to try and twist the, the feel of them a little different than what you would expect. So I already talked about like the thieves guild being like the yeah. Chicago mafia thieves guild versus right. the ninja slick, never see them thieves guild. Yeah, right, that right. was fun to do and it caught people off guard a little bit, but it's really hard to think uh, with some. So like the city guard who are supposed to be lawful, if they're actual, in, in fact, you know, the policing of the realm yeah. for good and not like corrupt. Uh, it's hard to think of how to make a lawful good person. <laughs> this is part of why I always play a, a um, chaotic neutral. I just have a hard time figuring out how to make lawful good people interesting. <laughs> and we, uh, we have some people in our campaigns who always play lawful good, Chris, and uh, he does a really good job of making them interesting. But I, in my imagination, I just can't, it's hard for me to figure out how do you do that? How do you yeah, make a, yeah. how do you make the, the city guard more interesting? Uh, maybe some of our uh, watchers have comments or <laughs> thoughts on how you do that. For me, it's always easier to take people who have a little bit of chaotic or a little bit of um, criminality in their background and, and twist those, those people who are just always good. It's like that paladin, unless, you know, which was kind of funny in the movie, right? The paladin who just <laughs> was always straight and upstanding and whatever, but, um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't have like a lot of good, uh, ideas off the top of my head on how you make these factions more interesting, except for that idea, you know, like you said, the perfumers guild, you find, you can basically look at any anything and make it an organization if you're really creative. Mm -hmm. And so I guess you just have to sit down and think what would make some awesome organizations in this city that they may have never seen before. So we'll start with the Perfumers Guild, but we'll also have the this guild and the that guild. And you, know, you come up with some very crazy yeah, yeah. ones and make those central to your story. That could be fun and interesting. Uh, I, I think maybe I would sit down and look at uh, like society and government and try to look at like societal roles to get ideas of stuff. If you're like running dry, I should have yeah. done some of that before coming on here today. And then I could give you those examples because that's what I should do as a good rise of the GM host, but I did not. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Evan made mention here, the inner circle of the faction can have different motives than what the faction advertises to the public. You know, I think that's, that makes sense a lot of, yeah, there's a, uh, the kind of persona that's being shown 
but there's actually other things going on, like whether it's nefarious or not. Um, I, I had written down here like factions within factions, which I feel like kind of connects to what, what Evan's saying there mm -hmm. of, um, I think that's a way to make it interesting and, um, more complicated even of, you know, you use the thieves guild. It's like, okay, all these people, probably especially the thieves guild, but, um, anything you use, it's like, they're not all this exact same cookie cutout person who all are like blindly just, I am only here to steal gold and give it to the, the master of the, you know, guild. Like they all have their own reasons for being there. They have reasons for even becoming a thief in the first place. And um, maybe there's some people who have like those ideologies that are different of uh, these people are part of the thieves guild because they want to rob from the rich and give to the poor. But these people just want to, get revenge on people they feel like hurt them and these people just can't help themselves you know and and all those things kind of make it different um and sometimes those things are uh opposed to each other too even within that idea so um i i think that's one way to just to make it a little more interesting um i thought about the guards thing that was in the question um that really like stuck with me um, I've mentioned Monster Man, the podcast he he does, and he did a special episode on guards. And the, one of the big things that stuck with me on what he was talking about was looking back at like history a little bit of the way that like we have this idea of a city guard, and I don't know even where that exactly comes from. That that didn't retain, but that like a lot of if we're looking back at medieval, <laughs> kind of the time frame that a lot of games are somewhat based in that's not really how things worked it was like uh volunteers or you're conscripted for the month to be you know guard or like it, it wasn't it wasn't like as much of oh there are these people who this is their job that they're making a living off of a lot of places especially smaller places it's like you have a sharp object so can you please walk around, <laughs> you know, or it wasn't even necessarily like about, um, uh, what should I say? Stopping crimes, um, as it was like investigating crimes. Like there's some of that too. And I think we can play with that a little bit. Again, I don't know that we have to be hyper realism all the time, but you can play with that idea of, you know, okay. In Tifa's edge, there's the shining guard who actually are like paid by the crown to keep the peace in this place. But, we're going to go up here to Keent, you know, is like one of that little town. It's like they have a dude who happens to own a sword. And so he walks around at night making sure everything's good. You know, all the torches are lit kind of deal. Um, and I, I think like that, that's a way to make some variation. That, again, that's just the guards, but that kind of principle of, you know, in Bullens, even the way they present themselves, it's like in Bullens, uh, maybe all the guards always carry these pikes around because Bullens is kind of marshy and there's a lot of waterways that go through the town and maybe they could use that pike to kind of semi pole vault over the water to get to another patty, you know, every time. And there's reasons that they even have things like on them um, that are, that are like specific to the places they're at. Um, so I think you can do some things with that of like thinking through location um, purpose, 
to make it a little more interesting than just like, okay, another dude in chainmail with a long sword is now talking to you kind of thing. I think you can, you can spice it up in those ways too. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. And I'm sure that, uh, on our social media stuff, some of our, some of our followers probably have some other ways that you can make factions really interesting and yeah. you can, you can, uh, incorporate those. So do follow us on those yeah, social so be a good question to ask for sure and that and see what everybody has to say. There was good conversation about some things this past week um, regarding like world building. So definitely encourage you all if you get a chance to do that, um, check that out and see what some other GMs are doing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, I think that brings us to the end of this episode of Rise of the GM and this session of world building. What's next time, Adam? We are looking at cosmology and planes next time. So in we're continuing building. in world building, cosmology and planes. Come back to see what that's all about. Jump on our socials to continue this conversation. And we'll see you guys next time on Rise of the GM. Thanks for Thanks joining all. us. See ya.